The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You know, there's so much to get into this week, and just some of the things I'm going to be honest about. It's just going to come off as me being bitter and, and miserable and nasty. But, I mean, you listen to this show, so... The New York Yankees are one win away from getting back to the World Series. Suffice it to say, I'm not pleased. And this uh, Frederica Wilson, I'm just going to call her Frederick Wilson, because I kind of like that. Although, you know, that that makes reference to Frederick Douglass, so maybe I shouldn't. Frederica Wilson has just shown how utterly disgusting the attempts have become, the, the depths to which the left will go to try to take down President Trump knows no bounds. Later in the program, we'll be joined by one Johnny Appleseed. Juan Appleseed will join us. And we're going to talk about the uh, Me Too controversy that's resulted from the whole, you know, Harvey Weinstein fallout. But I'm going to start with the Frederica Wilson stuff. And also the New York Yankees, please don't let anybody tell you that this is some like Cinderella story, that this is so amazing. They've done this on a rebuild year. Their payroll is $200 million. Okay, please. Just please. Heavens and welcome into Flippin' Out Radio, the little show that could, the most American podcast ever created. So, Lorne Michaels says it's a New York thing as far as why Saturday Night Live hasn't gone after Harvey Weinstein. You know, the big story, the, the Hollywood executive, big time story in entertainment news, pop culture, politics, you name it. The creepy, monstrous guy who took, you know, the casting couch to an unreal level. Lauren Michaels says that it's a New York thing, the fact that that show, SNL, hasn't gone after him. And I just want to point out really quickly, the main gist of Saturday Night Live over the last, what, two years or so, has been let's go after Donald Trump. Let's make fun of Donald Trump. Let's make him out to be the biggest moron, monster, asshole, whatever you want to, you know, trot out that, that stupid Alec Baldwin whose wife is hot, by the way. I realized that recently. She's a a yoga expert or something. So good for him. But he's so... Oh, my God. He's just such a moron when it comes to his... his, You know, talking points attacks against Donald Trump and and this notion that somehow he's somebody we should look to for moral authority with all that's gone on in his past. And by the way, Alec Baldwin just recently threw another drink at somebody else on the street in New York. So it's a New York thing. Guess where Donald Trump is from? Queens. Guess where Queens is? New York. So clearly, Lauren Michaels, it's not a New York thing, you massive moron, to try and say, oh, the reason I'm not going after this big guy, big time guy on the left who's a bad guy, oh, it's because he's from New York. Oh, really? Yeah, well, guess what? Donald Trump is from New York. So pfft, eh, there goes that argument. You're a moron. So California has made a decision now 
that if you're HIV positive and you don't inform your sexual partner that you're HIV positive and they become infected, that is no longer a felony. Or I, I don't know, maybe it's still a crime, but you know, I, it may not even be a crime anymore. I don't even know. I don't have it in front of me. Here's the point. The, the decision was made and the, the process was started to take away the, the impetus from somebody to have to tell their sexual partner that they're HIV positive because that was determined to be anti-gay. Anti-gay people to have to tell somebody that you're HIV positive. So there's so many things that come to mind for me. First of all, what if you're straight? What if you're a straight man or woman and your sexual partner doesn't disclose to you that they have HIV and you become sick and you get AIDS and you die? In what way help me to understand where a gay person is being put upon because this straight person wasn't informed that their partner has HIV? Furthermore, and this is really the most important part of it, I think, what if you're gay and your partner doesn't tell you that they have HIV? Is that going to make you feel good? Are you going to be happy that, oh, you know what, the stigma, oh, the the put upon stigma of of gay people. And when it comes to HIV, you know what, Eh, I'm going to die here an awful death from AIDS. But at least at least that guy didn't feel stigmatized or in some way discriminated against. So, eh, eh, you know what? I'm going to die. But you know what? (laughs) At least he didn't have to tell anybody that he's HIV positive. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? That's really what is so massively disappointing about the political correct culture. It prioritizes a handful of people out there in the world. Like, look, there's people out there in the world who honestly do live their life waiting to get offended by something, who talk talk about walking on eggshells. Their ears are finely tuned to the slightest thing that could be described as homophobic, misogynistic, racist, anti-certain religions, whatever you may be. They live their life to talk about that. And in the meantime, there's people, the rest of the people, like the, the majority of people in the world who don't live that life, who actually give a shit more about what's going on inside their own head and, you know, the, the, the bills they have to pay and the fact that their kid wants a new bicycle and, you know, their wife is giving them shit about whatever it may be. That's the kind of stuff most people worry about. But for the politically correct culture, it's just the opposite. It's all the stuff that you think other people are being bothered by, that you feel, uh, you know, in your infinite wisdom, you have to look out for this particular group that's being in some way offended or negatively affected by things. And I saw this uh, news event came across my timeline on, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter. I think it was Facebook. In my town, Montclair, New Jersey, they held an event called Meet a Muslim. Meet a Muslim event in Montclair. Meet a Muslim. And I thought to myself, what is this, a fucking zoo? 
what are they going to have like a, a woman in a hijab like you know behind glass where you, you walk by and you say oh hey, look johnny uh, that's a muslim yeah they you know read the quran and and worship to allah muhammad is their most important prophet you know like what do you mean meet a muslim how about taking some time out of your life to diversify yourself just through the the general um you know especially in montclair i mean give me a break i work in new york city the doorman one of the guys that is the security guard for the building that i work at is muslim and i'll have conversations with him sometime about you know religious stuff never never too like heavy you know but we talk we talk a decent amount when i get there for the day it's usually slower on a saturday i'll talk to him for about you know 10 15 minutes meet a muslim event and, and frankly what's so offensive about that here i am talking about people being offended but why it's offensive is who's to say that that woman is like indicative of all the muslims in the world what are you going to do trot out a, a, a black guy uh, you know bring somebody out to um certain parts of long island from like newark new jersey and say here you go guys meet a black guy it reminds me of uh my college roommate freshman year he was from tennessee and he confided he confided in me this this woman the girl that lived a few doors down he confided in me that before her he had never met a, a jewish person before so you know maybe what we're doing is we're missing out on a, an opportunity here to bring some members of the faith members of the tribe down into the southern states and say, yo, step right up, step right up, meet a Jewish person, step right up, folks, here we go. Melissa McCarthy at uh, one of these award shows, I don't even remember which one it was, what happened recently, Emmys maybe, or Golden Globes or something like that, they had an award show, and of course, for the most part, it was about bashing Donald Trump and, you know, the members of Hollywood talking about you know how they're so they're so important and should be listened to. Melissa McCarthy was very very upset that Sean Spicer mocked her impression of uh, him. She said something like, "What did she say? Like, oh, you know, that that's that's my thing. Um, he shouldn't be he he shouldn't be saying that." Let me see if I can find it. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, well, she and it was a video. She was reacting to him basically doing it was at the Emmys. Melissa McCarthy was like very, you know, confused that Sean Spicer was doing his impression of her impression. Well, you know, sorry, bitch. Comedy plays both ways. You know, he can he can totally take that back and have fun making fun. Frankly, it would have been even better if he made it out that, you know, you were disgusting and he, I don't know, put on some kind of a of a weight suit or something like that. That would have been even better. Um, all right, moving right along. Supposedly there was an idea to have race atonement day. And what that means is that all the white people of the world, all the white people of the country, I guess, would come together, bow their heads, and in their exceeding white guilt, apologize to the people of the world and the people of the country for being so evil and for being so bad and for making everybody's life miserable and awful. And so I thought to myself, I said, hmm, 
That's interesting. You know, when I was in uh, fifth grade, fifth grade, it was either fifth or sixth. I can't remember now. I went trick-or-treating. It was right around this time of year. Trick-or-treating in my town. And as the night went on, it was getting later and later. We were a little older at this point, probably even too old to be trick-or-treating. And we were like, what, sixth grade, like I said. So we're out. We're having a good time. It's really more about like kind of being out on the town with your friends at that point than it is, you know, dressing up or getting candy or anything like that. And at, at the end of the night, I'm walking back home along one of the main roads in town and with a few of my friends and a group of guys, seven, eight, nine, ten, I don't remember at this point, somewhere upwards of about, you know, close to a dozen guys, you know, encircled me, cutting me off from my friends and said, oh, you know, we want your candy bag. Give us your candy bag. And I was like, no, get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? It was really more about like not trying to get punked. Because I could give a crap. Nowadays, let me tell you, 32-year-old James would have been like, here you go, folks. Here's your candy. Enjoy it. My compliments. Please just let me go. Not trying to have any problems tonight. But, you know, little tough guy me was like, no, no, no. I'm not giving it to you. Hold on. So they grabbed it. They they were kicking me. I didn't get seriously injured or anything. But, you know, punched, kicked, but not not like in the face or even really badly hurt or anything. It was just like, you know, punched and, and kicked a little bit, and they got the bag for me, and I kind of was just like, all right, this is serious now. Pretty damn outnumbered. Here you go. I never, outside of like maybe that immediate moment where you're so angry that and so embarrassed and just like, you know, upset by the situation i never really looked at it in racial terms but i'll be honest with you these were clearly some kids who came from east orange southern montclair whatever it may be and were you know going to pick on some kid and take away his candy maybe it was just to have some fun with it maybe you know maybe they really honestly wanted the candy i probably doubt it but am i going to stand there and say oh you know I want I want a racial atonement day because a group of black guys when I was in sixth grade took my candy. No, I'm not going to do that. Because first of all, it's not about a group of it's not about a race. Just because this particular person that happened to wrong me and just because this group of people that happened to do something against me were of a certain race doesn't mean that entire race then has to answer for that. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. And just like the entirety of the white race doesn't get credit for all the amazing things that various white people have done over the years, medical breakthroughs, scientific, technology, whatever you name it, humanities, arts, sciences, all that, just because, you know, white people have done some of that doesn't mean that they should get all the credit as, you know, some random white person. There they go. Oh, that is a member of the race that put together so many amazing things in this world that we're just living in a much higher standard of living than we were a thousand years ago. Thanks, whites. No, that doesn't happen. And furthermore, it shouldn't. Because it's not about that. It's about, you know, whoever this individual person is, something of their skill set, their opportunity, their their uh, hard work, the education they received, the parenting they had, the upbringing. That's what made them in a position to succeed. And, you know, yesterday I was at this event in downtown Norwalk. I was covering it for my job. Phil Murphy, who's a candidate for governor in New Jersey, 
was hosting a campaign rally and former President Obama came and spoke on his behalf. It was actually the first time that uh, former President Obama had been on the campaign trail since leaving office. So, you know, it was kind of cool, actually, in a way to be there in the presence of a president and, you know, watching him speak relatively closely, working it in the news and all that. But the prevailing theme of this rally, their, their speeches that, that Murphy gave and that uh, Obama gave, certainly it made, you know, casual reference to New Jersey and Chris Christie and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, Obama did his best to kind of like shine Murphy's record and, and make him out to be a guy who's really a great, you know, politician. But the prevailing theme was that there's a there's a problem with this country, that this country is broken somehow. Because only certain people can get a piece of the American dream. And that's the prevailing theme, right? That's the prevailing notion. What it's saying is, in, an, in a sort of like somewhat veiled way, not very veiled, but somewhat veiled way, is this country's racist. And that you can't possibly succeed unless you fit a certain profile. White, male, straight, Christian, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what is amazing to me is how easy it is for a politician to do that. How massively easy it is for a politician to do that. Oh, you know, it's just race. Everything's race. Nothing we can do about it. You know, those shitty schools, you know, those housing projects that are falling apart and rat infested, all these, you know, different machinations of government that have basically ruined families because of the welfare system and all that ain't our fault. It's just racism. And furthermore, you know, what is the state supposed to do about bigotry or people being, you know, of, of a certain mindset? What is the state supposed to do about that? legislate your brain get inside somebody's head put a little chip in there that keeps them from being racist acknowledging let's say that that's some part of a problem you know what about actual solutions so now we get back to one of the main things that i wanted to start with and i went off on a number of different tangents because i had notes here and i forgot that i had the two topics that i really wanted to start off with frederick wilson Frederica Wilson, congressman from Florida, allegedly listened in on a phone call that President Trump made to a family member, to the wife of a soldier, a man who was killed in Niger uh, when they were ambushed by either Taliban or ISIS operatives. It's, um, I believe it's ISIS, but you know, it was a, it was a military operation went awry and Unfortunately, 50 fighters ambushed four U.S. soldiers, and they died. And so President Trump called the wife of one of these soldiers. And for whatever reason, Frederick Wilson, Frederica Wilson, was there listening to the call on speakerphone. And you probably have heard it all by now. I don't really necessarily want to get into all the details of it. But basically what Trump said was, look... You know, he expressed his condolences, from what I understand, and he said, you know, this is what he signed up for, and this is why this is such an important job, and this is why the sacrifice 
can't be overstated. So Frederica Wilson decides to launch this all-out attack on the president and say, how callous, how awful, how wrong to say this is what he signed up for. Oh, this is what he signed up for. When, of course, that's not the way that message was delivered, and it's not the way that anybody who was trying to sort of echo that sentiment would be would be saying it unless they were a total asshole. And again, hence the point, they'll stop at nothing to designate. And of course, he's got the the murky history, having said what he said about, um, you know, John McCain and saying that he likes soldiers who don't get captured. And I mean, you know, I, I even understand on some level what he's saying and probably my bias against John McCain factors into that. But here you have this this Frederica Wilson completely politicizing the death of a soldier. And General John Kelly, chief of staff, comes out and says, well, actually, those are the words that I, as a member of the military, have used. Those are words that I, as the father, and I'm talking about, you know, General Kelly, the father of a soldier who was killed heard those words and I tried to, you know, implant upon the president what he might say. So General Kelly, in having heard about what Wilson, Frederica Wilson said, called her an empty barrel. He said, well, you know what? Empty barrels sometimes make the loudest noise. And if you think about that, what that phrase means, it's like, I have a water bottle here. You know, if you have a, an empty barrel, it, it, it's loudest because it has more echo than if you actually had flour or grain or, um, you know, water in a jar, something like that. It's louder when it's empty. More surface area for it to echo and bounce off of, right? So, in essence... What happened was he called her a moron. He said, you know, you, Wilson, are an empty barrel. You have no brain. You're a dumbass. And you opened your mouth and everybody could see inside. And up your little nasal cavity, we can see this little tiny P-shaped object that is your brain. Every time you open your mouth, that's what we can see, that you're a moron. That you're a complete and utter moron. And frankly, I have to tell you, the amount of Congress people, the amount of Congress people that open their mouth and just clearly aren't smart is amazing. Until you stop and think about it, like who are the people that actually get involved in politics? You know what I mean? Like politics is such a creepy, weird thing. And a lot of us just kind of think of it as like uh, the national scene or like the biggest offices, like governor, um, senator, president, all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's more what we think about. But just think about all the like the creepy, awful, corrupt, and disgusting levels of politics that exist in this country. And the complete morons. Like, you know, this, this woman, Frederick Wilson, Frederica Wilson, she's on TV wearing a cowboy hat, talking about how she's now a rock star because the White House and John Kelly took time out to say that this woman's a moron. 
She's gloating over the fact that she caught some kind of buzz off the fact that she's, you know, basically saying that President Trump didn't care about this soldier who died. So she took the soldier's death and immediately made it into a political football. As a result, John Kelly says, well, you know what? She's a moron. She's being loud because she's a moron. When people who don't have a brain say things, the, the noise bounces off the inside of their skull, hard skull, so it bounces off hard, comes out, and there's noise. So this, again, this utter fool, this complete and utter imbecile, that's what she is. You can tell by the way she talks. You can tell by the way she carries herself that she doesn't have a high IQ. She comes out and she says, well, I've never heard this term before, empty barrel. So I, I don't want it to be associated with that. That's racist. She literally called it racist. Empty barrel. That's a term that you say, you know, as you say, you're an empty head. You're empty headed. You have an empty gourd for a head. That's racist. That has anything to do with race. You know what would happen, Frederica Wilson, if somebody did an autopsy on you and looked at your brain only and they put a, uh, your brain on a, on a medical dish and said, here, take a look at this medical student. You tell me by looking at it. What race is this person? Oh, I, well, I'm sorry. I can't tell that by looking at the brain. Oh, okay. Well, how would you describe this brain? It's small. It's smaller than the average brain because this woman's a freaking moron. And she's so dumb and so childish and pathetic that as soon as she gets called out for being a moron, oh, racist, oh, racist, she's being racist. And that's what we're up against. That is entirely what we're up against as a people in dealing with the regressive left. Anytime you call attention to the fact that somebody said something they shouldn't or did something they shouldn't or in some way acted in a way that's unbecoming of them, they'll tie it back to race. So, I don't know. I think from now on, I'm just going to say, you know, oh... Um, you're Republicanist. You're Republicanist. Everything you say is just against Republicans. So you must be a Republicanist. You're ist against Republicans. And I, for one, won't take it. Moving right along. Let's see. What else do we want to get into here? Um, you know, and, and, Did I mention that I talked about the HIV thing already? What else do we have here? So this guy from The Walking Dead, the actor who plays the guy, I don't watch that show. But The the Walking Dead has that guy who carries around a baseball bat and um, is like the big bad of, of that show, the bad guy. He wore a shirt that was pro-police. You've probably seen it. It's a, a black shirt with a white American flag, but then one of the bars, one of the, the stripes is blue, and it's supposed to be like, you know, showing support for police. Um, the symbol became 
know, it, it, it pops up on social media whenever a police for, officer unfortunately loses their life in the line of duty. But you saw it for sure around the time Dallas happened. Um, and, you know, this actor, he wore the shirt because it was around the time that the two cops in New York were shot. It was a Saturday, February of last year, I think. Um, and these two cops were, were sitting in their squad car in in Brooklyn, and a guy just basically walked up and, and shot them both dead. So this actor wore this shirt, as he says, in support of those police officers. Perfectly acceptable, right? So he's then called a Nazi for wearing that shirt. Uh, you know, the, the, the other left uh, default insult. It's either racist or Nazi and sometimes both. So, oh, by the way, the guy's name is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So, you know, he, he wears this shirt and he gets all this backlash. And, and eventually... He, he apologized. Eventually, he was apologized. You know, at first he came out and said on uh, social media, it was great. He said, dear assholes, you know, all lives matter. Blue lives matter, too. I wore this shirt because, you know, cops were killed in, gold, in cold blood. Two good cops in New York, uh, b- by the way, who had both immigrated to the U.S. and took, a, uh, you know, any, uh, Rafael Ramos and Wenjian Liu were the two men that were shot and killed that day. So later, he then issues an apology. He said, I stand behind the sentiment, but what was meant as one thing has been taken as another. I, I understand those that are upset, and to those I apologize. Of course, Black Lives Matter. I stand behind that, always have. This country means the world to me. The good in it means the world to me. Why are you, what are you apologizing for? You know, honestly, what the hell is your problem, man? You wore a shirt in honor of two police officers who were who were shot to death. You explained yourself very clearly and lucidly on social media and said, screw you and go to hell for having any problem with me wearing this shirt. And then you issue an apology for what? What are you sorry for? Backing down like a PC bitch. And that's what I'm talking about, man. Why is Why are those people who, you know, have decided that they hate police officers so, so much because of the Phil Castile thing and because of Staten Island and because of Mike Brown and, and um, you know, all these other uh, issues going back to Rodney King and way before that. You know, they've decided that they hate police. Clearly, if you're going to wear that shirt, you don't agree. So who the hell are you apologizing to, you bitch? God, that made me sick, man. Made me really sick to see that he eventually apologized. This um, this woman that I used to work with. Oh, great. I can't see it now. This woman that I used to work with um, at this, this licensing firm in Montclair wrote a post about how uh, and she might, it might have just been sharing somebody else's. I, of course, can't find it now because, um, you know, she may have deleted it. Or I guess I can't see her page anymore. Who knows why? Um, she probably blocked me. 
she said she's drowning in whiteness or this this whole the whole point of this post was she's drowning in whiteness how much more of this are we expected to take honestly i mean and then there was this story uh don lemon on cnn is just a complete and utter disgrace brought on i can't remember if it was rob kelly or josh norman somebody on the redskins who said that they um bought this little black boy an xbox for wearing a kaepernick jersey and i was watching this segment at work and you should have seen the cocky assured look on this on this mother's face she was a heavy set woman the 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 cocky assured look on her face as she sat back like yeah that's right he got an xbox for wearing this jersey and don lemon you know sitting there like an uppity fuck just pathetic man really pathetic what what is there to be what message is there to be gained from telling this kid that there's um that it was a heroic action for him to wear a kaepernick jersey What what's the message that you're sending there? That he should uh take after a guy and embody the morals of a guy who A said he didn't vote, refuses to vote. That's Colin Kaepernick. Refuses to vote, says his vote doesn't matter in that voting. So he's anti democracy. He feels that his employer, the NFL and its member clubs, telling him that he can't protest while on the company dime, that that's somehow something to be pushed back against and admired, that this guy's you know unwilling to put aside his personal feelings while on the job. What lessons are you teaching this kid right now? Oh, and by the way, just for wearing this guy's jersey, which in and of itself is a support of commercialism, we're going to buy you an Xbox, which is just another nod to commercialism. And again, the thing that stood out to me was this cocky, assured look on this on this mother's face. Like, what are you so cocky and assured by that your that your kid wore a Colin Kaepernick jersey? And I'm sure you had nothing to do with that, right? You didn't put him up to it at all. And I just want to take it back a step. This is kind of old news now. Uh, the NFL owners are clearly trying to stuff that back in the bag um, with this whole issue of the national anthem. And they thought by kind of, you know, acknowledging how important it was, it would go away after a week and all this stuff. And meanwhile, the public is basically, you know, sickened by the way the NFL has continued to devolve into this progressive regressive politics here but i think back to when that first happened right president trump came out called the players who kneel sons of bitches said maybe they should be fired you could just imagine the owners being in their offices the next day right they're on a conference call you got jerry jones you got the maras you got the member from the rooney clan you got uh, Shad Khan, you know, whoever it may be. They're all on this phone call. And somebody says, well, I mean, you know, I guess we better. 
I mean, I guess we better say that this is like an important thing and that they have the right to to do these protests. I mean, we I mean, we gotta say it, right? I mean, we I mean, we gotta say it. I mean, and they did. They said it. So last thing, uh, and then we're gonna take a break, and we'll be joined on the other side by Johnny Appleseed, blue-eyed white people. Okay, so white people with blue eyes. Scientists have determined are Neanderthal ancestors. The white eyes, or I'm sorry, the blue eyes come from Neanderthal DNA. So I'm white. I have blue eyes. You want to tell me about white privilege? I'm not even pure human. I'm, I'm mostly Neanderthal here and I'm making it okay. Homo sapien privilege, man. Homo sapien privilege. I got my Neanderthal blood over here. And somehow, you know, my knuckle-dragging ass is making it. White privilege. I'm not even pure human here. I won't hear it. I won't have it. All right, take a quick break. When we come back, Johnny Appleseed. We're going to talk about the Me Too controversy, or the Me Too movement that's resulted from Harvey Weinstein's revelations. Uh, We're going to talk about the Rick and Morty fiasco where McDonald's tried to get cute with their sauces and they failed. We might even discuss the 13 most influential candy bars of all time. I don't know. I'm not sure if we'll have enough time. I just don't know. It's the most American podcast ever created, Flippin' Out Radio. Uh, We all need a lesson in sensitivity. (laughs) I underline that sentence. I underline that sentence. We all need a lesson in sensitivity. So Marshawn Lynch went into the stands to watch the game after he was ejected. Did you see that? No. <laughs> Scott, weird. That might be the only time that's ever happened. Like, yeah, I was in the game and I didn't feel like playing, so I just went and watched it. You know what's annoying? This is this is what I find annoying. I would really I would feel comfortable and accurate in describing him as a vapid thug, but I feel like that would be called racist. But it's not. It's not. There's it nothing. Would be, it, would, it would be racist. Well, how is that racist? If you didn't know anything about him and you were basing that assumption on the fact that he went black. But we know that's not the case. No, he's just you a know, thuggish you know dude who <laughs> doesn't seem to have a whole lot going on upstairs. Other than, like, I desire crush person in front of me and then, like, you know, probably drink some promethazine. I do not understand that man. In many ways, it's kind of fascinating because it's probably like what makes him a good running back is what also manifests itself in its mani- you know massive stupidity. He doesn't think about the consequences of like physical activity and bashing headlong into somebody. Like most people probably like when they have you know they get their head knocked around a few times. You're right. They get their head knocked around a few times. They just want to kind of go to the ground. Like, okay, I, this is enough. This is enough. What am I close to? Should I move it? Might as well. For those listening at home, I parked a little bit close to the driveway. And I have, in fact, gotten a ticket outside of Appleseed Studios for parking too close to the driveway. Because it's an easy ticket for the Montclair cops to give. The, the, 
you know, parking enforcement officer probably goes out in the morning like, ooh, let me find somebody close to the driveway. That's an easy one. All right, so before I go move my car, let me run through this with you. The 13 most iconic or influential candy bars of all time. And then you tell me yes or no, and if it should be included, like what's missing. So they have the Wonka bar, which apparently is milk chocolate and graham crackers. I've never even... Sounds good. Yeah, I don't know that bar. It was introduced in 197... It was introduced in the 1970s because... Because there was a movie out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't sell it around here because I've never even seen it. Show me a picture. It's got purple packaging. Uh, you can stop turning it. Just go up. I don't think I've ever seen that. And and calling me right now. I don't have a way to put it on the air, so I apologize. But Joey Baboots is calling me right now. I'm just I'm recording a podcast. You're... You're not. You're not on. You're not. I am, and the fact that I'm talking to you is on. So what's going on? Yeah. yeah isn't that something? Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Baseball game? Yeah. Probably on Fox. Or FS1. All right, so we were rudely interrupted. Did you see the Wonka bar? I did, and... I've never seen it, right? I don't think I've ever seen it in person. I've definitely seen... I've seen some kind of variation of it. I think they might have other ones that don't have graham crackers in it, but have, like... I don't know. Some other kind of, like, fruit candy or something. All right. The Milky Way. Well, first of all, I think right off the bat, we can both agree to have the Wonka bar in there is kind of ridiculous. 13 most influential candy bars of all time. I, I still, I, I don't really, like, I could think of, <coughs> <coughs> I've never even really heard of Wonka, so maybe it's a regional thing. They say it was the first time a fictional candy bar had come to life, and that's why to them it's iconic. I don't really know why that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't really... Okay, Milky Way. It was the first to take inspiration from a real dessert, the Milky Way Malted Milkshake, which, by the way, sounds dope. What's in it? A melted... Uh, a milky... Melted? Yeah. A melted? A Milky Way Malted Milkshake? I don't know. What do you mean? It, it tastes like a milkshake, I'm sure. It's a malt... Well, you said shake. it sounds delicious. It does. But Have you, you had a Milky Way candy bar? Uh-huh. So extrapolate that flavor, apply it to a milkshake, throw some of that malt powder in there. It's uh, probably delicious. You don't fuck with malts, though, do you? Not really. Never did. 
Let's see. Baby Ruth. I don't really even like the Baby Ruth. You know, the Baby Ruth is not bad, like, if you need almost, like, a meal replacement type thing. You know yeah, what I mean? There's if, nuts in there and everything. Yeah, like, anything along those lines, like a Snickers can be great in that way. Like, you're, you're definitely putting at risk an upset stomach, but if you need something to eat and you can't get a meal, you could do worse than a Baby Ruth or a, uh, or a Snickers. This is true. Now, the funny thing about the Baby Ruth is they tried to say that it was named after Grover Cleveland's daughter, who had died 17 years before they made the bar, but it was very clearly banking off Babe Ruth who was a big star at the time for the Yankees isn't that great so Nestle's Crunch Nestle's Crunch that came out in 37 the reason for that is that they have a um, different filling you know it was always nuts or caramel prior to 1937 they used puffed rice which by the way was very cheap for them but, uh, yeah, that spawned, with, as they say, thingamajig and crackle. I've never had thingamajig. Uh, whatchamacallit is also. Interesting. So thingamajig must just be some other company's ripoff. Could be. Whatchamacallit. Uh, then they have the Cadbury milk chocolate. I mean, Cadbury chocolate is delicious. Have yeah, you ever sure. had a Cadbury fruit bar? Which yeah. I actually think is a little more iconic than. I don't even know. Okay. It's fucking dope. Uh, then they have this Scharfen burger, fucking artisanal. I don't know. Apparently, don't know it's a big is. deal because it's artisanal, and like that was the first one. Granada Chocolate Company. Never seen that, but apparently, it's really good. And you know, something about you know fair trade and stuff. It's they're all into it because it's fair trade. I mean, again, this is Time.com. What do you expect? Uh, chicken dinner. Chicken dinner. That debuted in 1923. The first chocolate bar to be marketed as a meal replacement. So we kind of talked about that with like Snickers and and Baby Ruth. It helped spawn the power bar industry and things like Cliff Bar and Luna. But you see, Cliff Bars and Luna are not candy bars. Yeah. So I, I well, thought but this I was mean, about they kind of are though. Power bars can sometimes have. Uh, wait, do power bars have? No, power bars don't have the chocolate. But there are those like protein bars that have chocolate on them. I don't know. I don't buy it. Anyway. Chicken dinner. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, chicken dinner. Snickers is on here. Made in 1930. Still Mars. Best-selling candy 80 years after its launch. The Nestle's milk chocolate. Okay. I mean, they already have the crunch up there. Toblerone. Toblerone is nice. I really like those. Toblerone is nice. Did you see they changed that recently? They, like, changed the shape of it, and people were all pissed. It's not a triangle anymore? No, it still is, but it's like it has more space in between the individual things like they kind of like cheapened out and had oh like, i hate when they do that smaller shit. pyramids That's you know there's okay, a the, Her- the hershey's bar there's a classic right yeah. there nestle may have invented invented milk chocolate but hershey's made it mainstream as this says uh they have a 23 and a half million dollar museum wow kit kat <coughs> so those are solid yeah Tokyo recently welcomed its first all Kit Kat store. I don't think so. Featuring flavors like edamame soybean, gross. purple sweet potato, and wasabi. Yeah, gross. What else? Oh, that's it. Did they miss anything? I mean, does Reese's not count as a chocolate bar? First of all, it's chocolate, unlike chicken dinner. So, stop. It's an incomplete list. But it's someone's opinion, so it's fine. But I mean, does it count? Does would you classify Reese's as a chocolate bar? More so than fucking Cliff Bars, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Because at least it has chocolate. It, you, the whole can- category was candy bars, right? Most influential candy bars of all time. Yeah. So yeah. So no, no. And how are you going to leave out um, Snickers? They had that. They did. They had Snickers. Yeah. All right, because I mean Snickers is kind of like the. No, they had Snickers. If they didn't have Snickers, I would have had to like, you know, phone the time editorial desk and say, you know, this is an outrage. It's it's an incomplete list. Yeah, I mean, I like the crunches on there. Always, always loved crunch. Crunch is just such a solid. No three musketeer. No three musketeer. See, what's interesting is that this corrected something for me that I had been told that turned out to be apocryphal and wasn't actually true. I was told years ago that the Milky Way bar was supposed to be called Three Musketeers and that Three Musketeers was supposed to be called the Milky Way. Milky Way. Because if you think about what they actually are, the Three Musketeers bar is just that chocolate with the like whipped up fluffy nougat on the inside, right? Nothing else. Yeah. Whereas the... Um, Milky Way has nougat, caramel, and chocolate. And chocolate, which are like there you have three musketeers, as opposed to like the Milky Way, which was just this, you know, milky, fluffy nougat that was in. I was told that that was always like they fucked up and named them the wrong things based off what was manufactured. I guess not because this article says the Milky Way malted milkshake, and that's what it's named after. All right, but that's still. I guess they could still both be true if you think about it. Right, like it just because they na- they chose this name based off a certain milkshake, that almost makes more. That almost adds. That adds credibility to the to the story. Actually, if you really think about it, because why would a milkshake that's supposedly this malted milkshake be having a flavor that's caramel and I've had caramel and maybe not nougat? I've had caramel and shakes. Don't you think like a the Three Musketeers is almost more of like a singular flavor that would make you think of a milkshake though? I, now I need to look this up. Oh boy. Okay, so from what I can see here, uh, that story is in fact apocryphal and not true. Apocryphal and not true is redundant. I say. And not necessary. I say. You see what I did there? Yes. But for you to say that something's redundant and not necessary, I don't have any problem with that because you're underscoring the point. You're being redundant. You're underscoring it nicely. All right, so getting into some of the... Should I move my car? No. All right, well, I'll get into one of these... I'll get into a couple of these topics and then maybe just do it real quick. Um, so what I was talking about mostly in my open, and I'll just throw it out to you and see if you have any thoughts or any reaction to it, was Frederica Wilson, the congresswoman who, you know, got into the whole listening to the president's call to a widow. 
and then <laughs> also just like how infuriating it is to me that people want to describe this as a Yankees rebuild when they have a two hundred million dollar payroll and <laughs> their Vegas over under this year was eighty three and a half. There's nothing like shocking about the fact that they're in a position to win here. Okay. They just had a better year slightly than to be expected. Okay. Any thoughts on that? No. Okay. What about the Frederica Wilson? Uh, you mean thoughts? None. I I mean it, whatever. It you shouldn't talk about that kind of thing, and I don't want to talk about that kind of thing because it's it not sh- appropriate. It shouldn't be publicized or, sh- or no, politicized. It's private. It's private. We shouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, she was the one who made it public. All right, some other questions for you. So Rose McGowan, and this is the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, right? By the way, he's Johnny Appleseed. I'm James Flippin. Rose McGowan took a payout some years ago from Harvey Weinstein because supposedly he sexually assaulted her or whatever she accused him of, and he settled out of court. And she's now one of the chief accusers against him. And I know this would be like completely un, you know, beyond the pale to many women for me to even suggest something like this or say something like this. But isn't it kind of fucked up that she took that hundred thousand and, in essence, like allowed him to continue under the cover of Shadow doing these awful things to women? That she priced that at a hundred thousand? And yeah, you could say, oh, she was younger and she didn't know any better, and like she wanted to advance in her career. I get all that. But to take the payout and now be like holier than thou in terms of like accusing him like it's it's almost just like slamming the bar door and closed after the horses have already ran out and it's not to take anything away from her as as per being a victim it's more just like eh, it doesn't smell right when you take the hundred thousand to then be holier than thou am i wrong about this like do you think there's any legitimacy to what i'm saying or you feel it's totally off the mark i i think it's uh really hard to to say how you would react in a position uh, when you've not faced it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's easy for me to say that I would do the right thing, uh, but I can imagine a world where I'd be saying, mm-hmm, doing the right thing versus getting that next job, which is going to let me get that next job, which is going to, you know. I, I don't necessarily think that uh, that it's a question of right or wrong. It's more just a question of people do what they do. Right. I mean, I think it's just like, to me, the fact that she took a payout means that it went beyond her just sort of accepting what happened to get a role. That's my point. Like, that's the way I look at it. Like, she must have brought some action against him to get that 100000 So clearly she wasn't completely unawares of the fact that he was doing something wrong and should be forced to pay for it. I guess I just look at it like when you take the money, there's part of me that... Not even from some, like, you know, feeling for Harvey Weinstein or his side of it at all. Don't get me wrong. It's not that. It's more just like, eh, there's something about your um, victimhood status that's not the same as if you had just said, like, you know what? I'm not going to let him do this to someone else again. And I get that there's a lot of people who would get at me and say, like, you know what you're saying. You haven't been through that before. You don't know what that's like. But, you know, if the whole theory is all it takes for bad people to succeed is for good people to do nothing... How do you not apply that to a situation like this? I guess that's the way I look at it, basically. You know, somebody at some point had to stop and say, you know what, this Harvey Weinstein thing isn't continuing anymore, and maybe it's just when the money dried up. I don't know. At this point, the the leading rumor is that it was his brother that did it to him. Um, and I don't really know why. Uh, I know that they weren't friends. Um, and Weren't they business partners? Yeah, the Weinstein group. 
Uh, and but they didn't they, get along. For several years, I've heard that they did not get along. Interesting. And, and so you wonder if maybe this was simply a business move that's being executed uh, by the public. Uh, I work with a guy who his daughter worked with Weinstein for years, and supposedly nothing ever along these lines, but just like he was such an asshole to work with, apparently. Just like a complete fucking dick. It sounds a lot like Hollywood. Mm. Um, all right, so spawning out of this whole Harvey Weinstein controversy is the Me Too movement, which exists on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. And people say, you know, uh, they describe situations where, what, they were sexually harassed or worse than that? I think the, the Me Too is just if you've been sexually harassed. Harassed, okay. So not even just, like, not necessarily as awful and heinous as, like, true sexual assault, but just to be sexually harassed. That's what I understand it okay. to be. And I think there's also a lot of women who wouldn't even be comfortable dying. Nice. By the way, we're watching some nature show, and these, these like, donkey horses are just absolutely getting after it right now. <laughs> they're not donkey horses. They're wild horses. Yeah, but they look like donkeys more than, like, horses. And they're just biting their neck and stuff and just racing and fighting. It's, yes, these horses. It's violent. Yeah. There's tons of violence. Um, anyway, so the Me Too thing. I guess it's like, you know, I was sexually harassed. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts? Because there was a woman, and this was before the Me Too thing even started. If It was a few weeks ago. Um, this woman talked about how she was, you know, hit on by a TSA agent who uh, asked her for her number. Let me see if I can find this here. Um, and where the hell is it? TSA, TSA. Of course, I can't find it now. So anyway, this woman said that this guy, actress, I think, this guy, a TSA agent, asked her for her phone number. And, you know, most people, most, or I, I don't know, a lot of women on Twitter were like, oh, that's so awful. Why do people just have to assume that you're just because you're traveling, you want to be asked out or talked to or whatever it may be. But there were plenty of women who were like, oh, wow, that must have been nice. So, you know, I always am flattered if someone, and I often say, no, sorry, I'm, I have a boyfriend or, you know, I'm uh, married or whatever it may be, you know? And it's like, what the, what does, what's the big deal? I really, it's just like human interaction when you get down to it. You know what I mean? So both, both wrongs doesn't make it right. You're, you're at work. You can't be asking people out. Be a professional. I'm not saying you should go. I to think prison. that's fair. I think that's fair. I do. I actually think you're right about that. And yeah. I think that I was focusing more on her reaction. And you're right. I should because I. Uh, I should be consistent. I always say how the thing about the NFL players protesting and kneeling during the national anthem is I feel like it's people protesting on the company dime, and I don't really get that because no one else can ever do that. So why are we somehow saying this is a, a rights issue for this select group of individuals? Um, I think you're right. I think that, you know, but I don't know. I mean, like, does that also mean that cops can't ever ask a woman out? If shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. If if I'm sure that happens a shitload, yeah, probably, and and I don't really have a big problem with it. I'm not going to sit there and, and point fingers and say this is wrong. It should stop, but what, they shouldn't do it. But that's their business, you know. It's fine. I, I'm not going to. It's it's not even worth talking about. But then the other part of it is, you got hit on. Get over it. Right. It's not a federal crime. It's yeah. not a story. It, yeah. It's a guy thought you were good looking, and I bet it happens a lot. So again, get over yourself. Yeah. This little bunny's about to get it. Um, well, no one knows what you mean by that because they're not oh, watching the radio. Yeah, we're nature watching show the also. nature show with the fox about to eat a little bunny. I, yeah, well, I've seen this before. Thankfully, that doesn't happen. Um, 
So this is a train trip that I want to take. I figured I'd just take a quick stop and say that I want to mention a train trip I'm interested in. Amtrak is launching a window-covered Great Dome car on the Adirondack. Adir- <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because Appleseed's giving me such a dirty look right now. That's not dirty. It's just Adirondack route in upstate New York. Okay. I've- it's the prettiest fall train trip in the U.S. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've done the ride. It is pretty. You'll see lots of great colors. Yeah. And, and I love uh, trains. I don't think he so. He did get the bunny. Fucker. Yeah, he, he got the bunny. This piece of shit fox. Um, no, but you always deny that I like trains and stuff, so I figured I'd bring this up because it refutes that. Branding. Did you see that Kevin Durant has fake accounts that he uses to, like, go at haters and stuff on Twitter? Did you hear about that? No, I didn't, but good for him. Good for him? Yeah, good for him. What do you mean good for him? Good for him. If, How if, is that good for him? If haters can sit there behind anonymity, so can he. But that's so, like, just pathetic that he actually... This is a guy who makes yeah, millions behind of dollars. behind anonymity is No, pathetic. no, no, no. Makes millions of dollars, is a very successful individual, you know, has more than enough things to worry about in his life, and he's going on Twitter to listen to these so-called haters. Like, that's... I'm sorry. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him that he has yeah. that level of. I wouldn't waste parent. my time with that with that nonsense myself. But again, I don't like it when people hide behind anonymity and and say anything they want because it's. If you want to say have an opinion, put your name on it and be out there and stand by it. You're going to sit there and hate on people and and criticize. You don't even know them. You don't know anything about them, but you're going to have an opinion on on their life. So at least have your name on it. So what happened was that he had fake accounts and he responded to a guy forgetting that he was still signed into his own. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, Steven Jackson says he lost respect for Kevin Durant over the Twitter slip up. Isn't that nice? Who said that? Steven Jackson? Yeah. Okay. Well, he was one of the guys, I believe, who was involved in Malice at the Palace. So, I mean, he's not exactly uh, the, the big, the whoa, that thing. Yeah, yeah, he was right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not exactly a great guy to be you know but I mean I've lost a lot of respect for Kevin Durant basically just for going to the Golden State Warriors and I've said it before it was one of the most cupcake moves of all time it's awful it's just awful yay they won hey the Golden State Warriors won what a success story folks what an improbable success story the only thing that would be more shocking is if the Yankees ever won a World Series with a 200 million dollar payroll Dodgers have even more, 290 yeah. something? Oh, tell me about it. Tell me, you know, you know, it's so shocking. It's just so, this, oh man, I got to tell you. You need to as someone who fo- As you someone who down. follows the MLB, few things are as shocking as the fact that it's a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be more shocked. Okay? I struggle to watch uh, daytime news programs like on uh, NBC today. But when I work that early shift at the news division, I have to watch it because I'm just like waiting for the local news to start. And sometimes they'll have little sound bites that I need. Okay. So Billie Jean King was on uh, to promote her movie. And she um, was talking about how her brother was a good athlete. And... She said that her brother was a pitcher. She was like, my brother was a pitcher. 
great slider. Like he said, she said it like that. Okay. And they all like Matt Laughlin, uh, Al Roker, whoever that blonde chick is. They laughed like it was the best joke anyone had ever told when she said they were like oh slider oh my <laughs> it was so fucking I don't even get bad it. it was you don't understand not really okay so billy jean king was there right yeah. and she's great yeah yeah and she's talking about how her brother was a great pitcher okay okay and she goes yeah he was my brother he was a great pitcher great slider so he said that. She said that. They're sitting at like a roundabout. You know what I mean? At like a little table. And she said that to the great count. slider. Yeah. And they all like reacted like as if she had told some like great joke to her saying that. Like they were like, oh, slider. Oh, like it was just it was so uncomfortable because she thought she she delivered it as if she had made some like sort of really keen observation about having her brother having a great slider. And they clearly don't know what the hell of a fucking slider as they have no idea you know what i mean maybe if they had, if she had said fastball they would understand but she said slider so they were like you know definitely they don't know shit about sports al roker matt lachlan so okay. you know they were like oh okay am, where is am i supposed to be like indignant or it was something? it was hilarious it was just hilarious the moronic like fucking idiotic banter that exists on those types of shows and that was just such a great example of it like it Look, maybe you don't. Maybe you're not on the same wavelength as I am when it comes to having watched enough of those shows. It's just so forced and contrived, and all the oh, slider, like it was just so. All right, anyway, maybe that's just me. Um, But uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I should say I have a note here that Al Roker actually redeemed himself slightly because he was like, "What about his changeup?" Like he actually kind of showed that he like knows something about sports. Anyway. Um, but there was this awful... To the audience, if there is anyone, I'd like to apologize for that last few minutes of your life that you won't No, I actually feel like our audience would totally understand where I'm coming from on that. Because they've probably seen randomly those shows, and they know how awful that banter is. So, um, and Billie Jean King told this, this awful, awful story. I think I talked about this. I, I did. I talked about it on last week's uh, episode. But she, ta- uh, she talked about how, like, oh, and President Obama um, told me, or she was like, and I've been talked to by a lot of men who say that as young boys, they were inspired by me during the battle for the sexes. And one of those when was President Obama. And they were all like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it was so nasty. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take how nasty it was. Anyway, um, so... Speaking of daytime television, again, this stuff really bothers me, clearly, because it's all in my notes to talk about on the show. Ellen was saying how she couldn't possibly have, as a gay woman, she couldn't possibly have on the dangerous Donald Trump. And it just struck me how like much of a pathetic automaton she is, like having seen enough of her shows now. And I find it, I have to say, I find it hard to like believe that she's even lesbian. Like, could you imagine her, like, actually having sex? Like, she's got that five-year-old, on too much sugar, like, attitude, the jeans, the pixie haircut. She's, like, the most asexual person I've ever seen. I think she may be, you know, like, the anti-dentite? Like, you know, like, the guy became a dentist to have uh, dental jokes? Yes. I, I feel like Ellen may actually be fake gay. She may have, like, became gay to, like, have that sort of, like, strategy. Something tells me that that would be viewed as offensive. You think so? I, I don't I don't find it offensive, but I bet someone would. Well, I'm sure she's actually very very lesbian. I'm just I'm just having a run at her, uh, frankly, automatonic delivery on air. 
and that show's audience is really unsettling. Like whenever they caught, cut to them, they're like really wildly in applause. Uh, uh, I'm just, I don't know. It just it goes to show that she she loves to mouth those horseshit talking points to breathless automatons for that kind of applause. Because to say that you know Donald Trump is dangerous to the gay community is completely ridiculous. This is a guy who who actually waved the rainbow flag on stage as a candidate and has then took action against uh, uh, military uh, transgender though. Well, that's not an issue. That has nothing to do with sexuality. No. That's a that's a mental health issue. That fine, fine, but that's that community. That is that same LBGT. I've always had a problem Q. with the T being in- included, but you right. know, I'm just telling you that that you know, he he may have waved, waved a flag, but when the when the time came, he had an issue with this particular group. No, I think that the the transgender issue is a question of mental fitness, and that's why he says in terms of the military, it's not something we should be debating with that you know, important of a aspect of our lives. You know, let the transgender issue get figured out in its own time within society, within medical communities, you know, all this kind of thing. Because, frankly, with all the advancements we've made as a society in terms of, like, acceptance of sexuality, you know, whatever you want to call it, alternate lifestyles, some people use that term, whatever it may be, um, the notion that you should have to have surgery to be okay with yourself is very, very foreign to anything we really have kind of preached in terms of acceptance over the, you know, if you want to have surgery because you think you're fat and you want liposuction or, you know, um, whatever, you know, like breast augmentation, breast reduction, whatever it may be, um, certainly you're entitled to do that. But, like, to actually maim oneself from a functioning organ, to me, it's definitely a question when it comes to mental uh, evaluation of that. And I don't think that's outrageous. I think it's just someone who said, hey, look, uh, this is the way society has been for thousands of years, men, women, and various complications that then result from there. But, you know, to at least have a base level to start at is pretty important to the understanding of biology and, and human function. So to twist that now requires some debate. And that's what's, you know, really frustrating about that particular issue. Um, at least most of the stuff that the left is really super PC about and like focuses on has at least been kind of like out there for discussion for a long time. Um, religion, race, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so this city wants to ban trick-or-treating for over for kids over 16. Totally for it. Bathurst, New Brunswick. Oh, Canada. They want to forbid anyone Bathurst. older. Bathurst, yeah. Uh I'm down with that. Like, what are you doing trick-or-treating past 16, you know? Yes. Yeah. So we're in agreement on that one. Um, overheard in New York City. I was walking on Hudson Street. And if I can add to that. Oh, go you, ahead. What are you doing getting dressed up for Halloween in your freaking teens and 20s and 30s? Come on. Well, what if you're going to a party? You're not kids. What if you're going to a party? Stop having kid parties. Well, you know, I, I yeah, kids. I mean, I, I don't, kids. I don't go. I mean, first of all, I'm it's not kids. I'm not defending them, and I'm not offended because I don't go to Halloween parties. I haven't been, and I don't know how long. But, um, you know, people seem to enjoy those parties. You know, costume parties for Halloween. Yeah, I know people do. I, not you. Don't really, you know. I, I'm sure that people would love to run around and do kid shit all day. Um. So I was walking up Hudson Street and this I heard so savage. There's a, a 
a, an elephant running and it's being taken down by a, a pack of lions or a herd. What is that? A pride of lions. Pride of lions is trying to get after it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it does win. And these uh, these lions actually feast on this carcass. Look at it go, though. Boy. And it's just savage. They're just hanging on its back, like biting it and clawing it. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, anyway. So I was walking up Hudson Street, and I heard these two women talking. And the one said, so I'm just going to be spending all my free time, working my free time on this app. It's basically the seamless of marijuana. I thought that was pretty cool. Seamless? Yeah, that's what thing she's working on. Um, uh, seamless is like delivery.com or, uh, you know, any of those things. This is really fucking awful, by the way. I don't know why we're still watching this elephant being devoured. But, um, yeah, that's really awful. BBC America is fucked up. Um, but, uh,. Yeah, what do you think of that? Seamless of marijuana is probably a pretty good idea. But is, is it legal as of yet? I mean, no. no so that's that's risky, right? Not. That would be very risky to be involved with. Where does it operate? I don't know. But, I mean, if it's an app and it's on people's phones. They've had, like, weed delivery services in New York for years. So to extend like it out. Like an half-baked? No, like, for real, they have that. Yeah. Um. To extend it out to the suburbs doesn't seem that outrageous to me. No, I don't think it was the... It's not the suburbs. It's just that it's a website and an app that would be doing it. That's got a whole digital trail that... Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. A phone call, unless you're set up ahead of time, you know, doesn't have. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that that type of thing... I mean, it's a, it's a good idea, but it's just the legality of it is what I'm interested in. Okay, so uh, McDonald's actually went so far as to introduce a Rick and Morty, you know, Szechuan sauce, like reintroduce that that sauce. But they really fucked it up. Did you hear about that? No, not at all. Yeah, it was a total fuck up. So they, like, didn't get enough of the sauce and only sent it to, like, you know, these certain locations where they, like, had a big thing where they were like, oh, if you live close enough to this one, you can come get the sauce. Okay. But they didn't have anywhere near enough of the stuff. Like, there were people, there were, like, thousands of people waiting to... Like, they totally underestimated what the response was going to be. Rick and Morty is a very popular show. So, they had, like, let's say 150 of these, you know, sauce packets or something like that. So, like, the first, you know, 100 people got them. And they were like, sorry, sorry. And there was people like, what the fuck? You know, like, ah. And it was just a total disaster all over at all these different locations. Okay. Yeah. So that's this week in McDonald's on Flipping Out Radio. And then... Um, Twim D? Yeah. And then I have a uh, unpopular take concerning Cam Newton. I actually am not really that big a Cam Newton fan. I like the way he plays, and I was a Cam Newton fan prior to that Super Bowl where he totally bitched out, and especially after the game, um, like couldn't even face it like a man uh, with the media and stuff. That was just awful. Very, very disappointing. I'm just going to say it that way. Like, to me, it was like, as a fan of his, that whole thing was disappointing. I wanted them to win. They didn't, whatever. He didn't play particularly well. He really bitched out, especially on that one fumble, as we've talked about, Appleseed. He didn't, like, basically didn't even try to die for it or anything. And he didn't even really talk to the media at all after the game. So it was just awful. Um, But with the whole issue with the reporter, where this female reporter, Jaina Rodrigue, I think her name is, asked him like what do you think of your receivers like being physical in their routes and it was just like a very awkward sort of like trying to sound like you know football but not really knowing football question 
and he said it's funny to hear females talk about routes okay as soon as you say that you know he's going to get in trouble i don't advise him actually having said that because it's not even really true there's plenty of women out there that do know football um but what he should have said probably is it's funny to hear reporters talk about routes because it came off like a reporter trying a little too hard with regard to a question and um not a popular take but it's my take nonetheless i have to say your thoughts none okay um all right my last point before we get out of here for the day is there's a new little caesars commercial out with this little kid who is like sitting on a recliner seemingly watching tv and his dad comes in wearing a hat that says number one dad and he's his dad's all sweaty and he's nervous and he says i came home i got pizza and the kid like immediately says did you get the hot and ready from caesar's five dollars just for that nothing but one topping like all quick and you know snide and the father gets all more nervous and he zooms in on him and he says i got a terrible deal on pizza and then the little kid asks him for the hat and he rips off the number one sign throws it away so it just says dad I got a great deal on pizza. He went to Little Caesars and got an extra most bestest with the most cheese and pepperoni for just six bucks. I got a terrible deal on pizza. Give me that. Little Caesars six dollar extra most bestest. Pizza, pizza. You know that commercial really bothers me the more that I've seen it. Because what is that little ingrate's problem? Your dad just brought you pizza. Like, you're sitting at home, not doing shit, but watching TV. He looks like he's, I don't know, like seven, eight years old or something like that. Doesn't have a care in the world. Your dad just brought you pizza for either lunch or dinner, doesn't matter which. You're having fucking pizza. And you couldn't be any more of like a snide dick about the fact that your dad supposedly didn't like, you know, save a little bit of money on, first of all, he actually probably went to a pizzeria that's more of a legitimate place, has better pizza than, and whatever, I'm not like a huge anti Little Caesars fan, you know, whatever, Little Caesars is okay, but you'd rather have that junk than like a nice pizzeria where your dad probably spent, you know, and he goes to work every day, he works hard, you know what I mean? And he brings you pizza and you rip off the fucking number one sign and throw it away like a dick. And like, he's so like, full of himself when he throws it away like oh you're just a dad now you're just a dad your thoughts ladies and gentlemen this is what it sounds like when you don't get it flipping out radio the most american podcast ever created he's johnny appleseed i'm james flipping and we'll see you next time heavens now the most american podcast ever created oh here's your blessing oh baby Yeah, this is relatively a yes, this monkey situation. He's eating some grass and stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but look, that, see the big ones? They're a little intimidating and nasty. Yeah, yeah, see the little ones I like. Yes, they dancing and is dancing. Oh, my stars, what a day. This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. The preceding 
was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. I hate flipping out radio. Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Really gross. One, two, three. Really gross.